0: The Leap Foundation proudly presents the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman. Dr. Bill is a TV host, New York Times best-selling author, two-time Guinness World Book record holder, fitness guru, celebrity cosmetic dentist, and philanthropist who founded the Leap Foundation. Here's Dr. Bill. This is crazy. My podcast is in the top 2% of all podcasts in the world. And we just found out that we're in the top 100 in 100 countries. So we're 100 for 100, which is nuts. Um, But thank you for listening. Please tell your friends. The people that we interview on this podcast are really spectacular people. Um, Most of them come and speak at our LEAP program first, so we vet them. And then if they're really good, we let them do the podcast. And for your information, LEAP is happening. It will be live. We will have 100 vaccinated students, not my rule, UCLA's rule. 100 students will attend in person. And I think we'll have thousands and thousands virtually. So it promises to be a great year. We'll have Anthony Hopkins this year. We'll have Paula Abdul this year. I'm waiting to hear from John Legend, I'm waiting to hear from Michael Strahan, I'm waiting to hear from Usher, um, and a bunch of others. So it should be a really, really cool year. And it'll just be nice to see you all in person, like live. So LEAP will be July 18th to the 23rd, it ends. Um, If you want more information, go to www.leapfoundation.com. What is LEAP? If you don't know, LEAP is a motivational leadership program for high school and college students that teaches these young students the skills that they need to be successful in life. And these are not things that you typically learn in college. We teach them time management, money management, you know, how how to interview for a job. I mean, so many critical things. And we do a lot of this by bringing in great mentors so the students can really sit and pick these people's brains. I mean, successful people want to come and share their success with these students. And that's what makes LEAP so magical. And if you're a parent and you're watching this and you want to know the real secret to LEAP, I'm going to tell it to you. I'm a dad, I've got three daughters. If I tell my girls to do something, they're not going to do it. Now, if you're an expert in something and you tell them to do it, they might do it. But if they have 10 of their girlfriends at the house saying, hey, do it, guess what happens? They do it. And that's why LEAP works. We surround these kids with other great kids that are there to support them and help them be successful. And in a time when so much is so challenging to these kids from social media to all the other stuff that, that, that just is like surrounding them on a day-to-day basis that isn't always that positive, this creates a really great positive community to help foster the growth of these kids. So if you're a parent and you have a kid 15 to 25 and you don't send them to leave, you're a bad parent. <laughs> In my book. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, all joking aside, please check it out www.leapfoundation.com. If you are local to LA, hopefully you can come. Uh, if not, you can come and stay at the Luskin Conference Center where the conference will be only if you're 18 and above. Uh, they will not rent a room to anybody under 18, but we got a great room rate. It's $100 a night if they share a room. So that's all great. So without further ado, I am going to introduce you to our mentor for for today. This is Michael Savides. He is a South African-born tech entrepreneur with a background that includes co-founding a tech startup in South Africa, in fact, a few of them. Michael's work experience brought him to work for a global Fortune 500 organization um, he has had the opportunity to live and work in various countries with people from different cultures and backgrounds. Michael's academic background consists of four degrees, two of them being master's degrees, one being a master's in engineering, the other an MBA from the University of Manchester. He still didn't learn to speak English properly. you will see what <laughs> I mean in a second um, in the UK, making him a diverse individual with a unique academic and professional background. Michael's most recent work consists of him designing COVID-19 laboratories and starting a health tech company, which he'll talk about, called Compound Health. Michael is also the chapter director for Startup Grind West LA. We'll talk about that as well. Home to one of the biggest chapters in the world with over 7,000 members as a part of their community. As a chapter director, he forms part of a community of leaders that bring together all of our global communities into the largest network of entrepreneurs, technologists, inventors, and students connecting unique communities. Startup Grind is about giving and helping people, and their motto is make friends, not contacts. So without further ado, I introduce you to my friend, Michael. Michael, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, and
1: I hope my English progresses as we go through the call. Uh, yeah, I'm just try weak.
0: and speak with a little bit of an American accent, because a lot of our. I'll try stupid.
1: to iterate some of my
0: words for you, no problem. But
1: thank you for your right. time. I
0: so, try. Michael, you were born in South Africa, um, grew up in South Africa, went to university in South Africa, and then what happened?
1: Then what happened? Well, I think having studied in South Africa, I, I did a, I studied civil engineering because w- what I thought that was the career that I actually wanted to go do eventually. And I've com- taken a completely opposite career path, as lo- a lot of people do. So I studied engineering. I worked in engineering for two years and it just turned out it wasn't for me. I decided I needed to go a more business route and I worked for a company doing data analytics. And very quickly, I realized I enjoyed the corporate world, but I didn't enjoy the the corporate culture of the organization that I was working for, which prompted me to go study in the UK, a more business-minded degree. And if you think about it, I've got four degrees now, and you would think I I would be typically following this this path of working in a huge organization and wanting to not be in entrepreneurship, but it taught me the complete opposite.
0: It actually gave me the, the inspiration to become an entrepreneur. So your first job after getting these four degrees was doing what?
1: As a civil engineer, I was basically designing uh, and building conveyor systems for the first client was a brewery, helping them to take the barley and the hops from one building to another building. So I would design bridges. I would design conveyor systems. I would design buildings as a civil engineer. And yes, it sounds incredibly fun because my ambition at the time was to become a property developer eventually. And it just turns out it wasn't my passion. And I don't regret doing or following that career path in which I had followed because it actually
0: just outlined what I am supposed to be doing. Okay, so after you decided that that wasn't for you, then what was your next job?
1: The next job was doing data analytics. It doesn't sound too, too hot or too sexy, but what you would do is use data and come up with solutions for a customer. But what I enjoyed most about that is because data is the modern-day gold. And I think a lot of people know that data is the modern-day gold. And with data, you can come up with amazing assumptions and solutions for for customers or projects. So with the new business that I founded now, it's very data-intensive, which we can talk about later. But I followed that career path into a corporate company as opposed to an engineering company in south africa and it just turns out that after a year of working there i realized it's not for me the culture wasn't for me and i think it's important that kids of today or people going to new companies before actually accepting a role just not taking a role for the sake of taking that role you first also need to understand the culture of the company because you want to go to a job in which you actually enjoy and which you can actually get along with your co-workers and I believe it's often overlooked. And I think when you go into an interview, you're very often scared to ask that question because you feel like because you go into the interview that they should be asking questions. It's within your right to ask the question to your, your manager or your reporting
0: advisor. What is so it? How, do you do, but how do you do that? Like, I mean, how, how would you really get a handle on what the culture of a company is before you work there?
1: So what I did is the, fir- the first mistake I did with my first um, with my first job is I never walked around the office. I never I never asked him to take me to introduce me to people so I can speak to people. It's important to speak to people that work there already. Do your research. Do your due diligence. You can leave, read a lot of reviews online on Glassdoor, but what I did is I made sure that I with whatever job I took on after that was to do a walkthrough through the office, look at the work environment, see how people talk to each other. It's incredibly important.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's really smart to do. Um, a lot of people are so intimidated when they go in for an interview that they, they don't feel like, you know, it's safe to ask questions. But actually from interviewing hundreds and hundreds of people, I'm going to tell you when you. I'm sitting on the other side of the table and somebody asks me an intelligent question like, what's the culture of your company like? Or you know, other things like, what do you think I can do to really add to the value of your company or something like that? It really makes a big difference as opposed to like, well, what's my pay and when are my vacation days, right?
1: Yeah, and I totally agree with that. And I think that's the way society had shaped and molded us during that time. I mean, I'm 31 years old now, so this is 10, 10, 11 years ago I was doing my initial interviews. And what I always felt is that I am not worthy of this. I'm trying to get this job just to get a job. But you actually, go, you, you're doing yourself a disservice by doing that. And yes, I understand some people need a job immediately to pay off student debt or student loans. But I still think you have the opportunity to
0: at least ask these questions which you actually delved into. Well, taking us to the next thing, I think that this is really interesting. So we ha- we talked earlier, and you know, one of the things that you did, which I think was really genius, was you got a job, and at the same time, you started up a startup. Sure. And I- I'd like you to talk about that a little bit because I know that there are so many people out there that really want to start a startup, and their big fear is the obvious one is. But I have no income when I do that. And everybody told you you couldn't do it. Tell me what you did and share that with our audience.
1: Yeah, of course. And I think the main point here is that not listening to what people tell you you can't do. And I'll I'll explain what I mean by that in more detail. So I had started a a tech company. It was called ParkUp. It was in South Africa. It was an online media place marketplace where property owners could list parking for free. Um, and essentially, once they listed it, we would connect them to drivers that needed parking on a long and short term basis. Airbnb for parking did very well. And when I started that company, as much as you will know, as an entrepreneur and as a startup, you're not earning any money. And I had come back from the UK. I had to obviously look at back at my student loans and debts, whatever it may be. And also, I just needed a job. My parents were putting pressure on me, which is another thing we need to consider. Parents also. Often put pressure on kids to do these things, which I understand. So I went and worked for this Fortune 500 company whilst doing the startup on the side. And regularly, people would say, "How do you do it? Are you allowed to do that?" And my aunts answer was always, "I rather ask for forgiveness than forgiveness than permission." I was somewhat somewhat rebellious in that regard. But how you do it is, you, you do your nine to five, and you come home and you work on your own startup. Because my ambition was never to work for a corporate for the rest of my life. I wanted to become a successful entrepreneur. And that was the only way I could think of doing it was in whatever spare time I had, i would work on my own startup. And you find it becomes quite easy if you're passionate about it. And I think that's the most important thing is you need to do something that you're incredibly
0: passionate about. So basically, you started this startup, which was kind of like, as you said, the Airbnb for Parking cars, yeah. and at the same time, you were working in a paid job, so you didn't have to really suffer from you know having no income.
1: Yeah, and you know what the most interesting thing is—I don't know if you've read the book by Adam Grant, "Originals." So in this book, uh, he mentions about the Warby Parker's um, founders. Warby Parker's, the eyewear company, that were one of the first to penetrate the eyewear markets online, and. They speak about it It took them four years to leave their full-time jobs, to go full-time into Warby Parker. And a lot of people think that's stupid because uh, you need to go fully fledged into a startup company. But they took a more rational and realistic approach where you have the backing of your your salary, you can test the waters of the startup, and when you believe that you can actually go into full-time, then you can pull the plug. I think a lot of people are scared to do that. And my advice would be is do what's good for you, not what's good for other people.
0: I think that's awesome. So you've done a lot of different things and all of these things have brought you great experience. Currently, I know you helped um, start up uh, some COVID uh, laboratories. You built a few of those. You also are doing um, a new project in L.A. that I'd like you to talk about because you're the director for the L.A. chapter.
1: Yeah. So. If we're talking about Startup Grind, um, I'm the chapter director for Startup Grind. And what Startup Grind is, is it's a, literally the biggest uh, global community of innovators, founders, and startups. There's over 5 million members that form part of the community. And what I am is the chapter director of Los Angeles. And what that means is there's 7,000 people within my community, in which I have access to, which I can engage with through email, social media, whatever it may be. And my responsibility is to host in-person fireside chats, pitch battles with people that are relevant. So thankfully enough, you've agreed to come on in August, on the 18th of August, and I'm I'm really looking forward to that. And what Startup Grant is essentially about is connecting people, helping people help each other. And as you mentioned, one of the values in which we abide by or which we adhere to is make friends, not contacts. And every event that I try to host in person, I try to make it very casual and not at one where you feel pressure that you have to go and talk to people and ask them what you can get out of them. Because one of the biggest things i picked up on coming to Los Angeles from South Africa and going to startup events and these, these networking events is that everyone just wants to get something out of you. No one generally wants to get to know you. And I wanted to create a different environment for my community. And we're starting to do that. And I'm getting a lot of good feedback.
0: You know, one of the things we teach at LEAP is be interested, not interesting. And you will have a much better conversation with people when you are interested, and you'll learn a lot more from them when you are interested than when you're trying to be interesting. And, um, you know, you told me something earlier that I also thought was really important and something that we should talk about. And, you know, obviously you have this, this very background and there's a lot of different things you could be doing. You've chosen to be a confident entrepreneur, you know, and there's a lot of students who are listening that would like to follow that path. And one of the things you said to me that I think is so incredibly valuable and something that's often overlooked is the importance of relationships. And maybe you can talk about that for just a minute.
1: Yeah, sure. And I think, it's something that's innate in me, but I think we all have it, is empathy. And I'm, I'm a leader, I lead teams, and I lead with empathy. And the reason why I do that is not only because it's genuine within me and it's innate, is that I truly believe if you're able to build strong, robust rapport and relationships with people you work with, whether it's inside the company or outside or just in general life, you get so much more. And what I mean by that is you need to be genuinely authentic when you're speaking to people. Show genuine interest, like you're saying. And what that does is when you build a a relationship like that, you can leverage that relationship and not take advantage of people like some people think. And why I think it's so important and it's overlooked in many organizations is that, for I'll give an example. For the COVID-19 laboratories in which I helped build, I built very good relationships with my team members as well as with the vendors in which we work with which allows me to get things done when we are time pressured or to, for them to go over and above something for me. And it's not because I'm taking advantage of it. I'm just utilizing that relationship in which i built, which is that no one sees that on face value. No one sees relationships on face value. And I think when I, have, when I start hiring more people in my own companies, it's something that I'm definitely going to look to for individuals is how empathetic they are. What is their, their ability to build relationships with people?
0: I think that's so incredibly valuable. It really is.
1: I I definitely think so. And I I think we need to emphasize how it's overlooked in organizations because people don't realize that if an individual is able to build a relationship with someone, we get in so much value as a company from that, that that individual you bought that relationship with, but no one documents it. No one speaks about it because
0: it's intangible. All right. Okay. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. I mean, you have four master's degrees. I mean, obviously, you're probably Two qualified master's degrees, but four degrees, yeah. Okay, four degrees. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you're qualified to do a lot of different things. There are a lot of students listening who really love entrepreneurship. Yeah. They're enamored with it. I mean, come on. Let's face it. it, it, it's, it it's sexy. It's exciting. It, there's a lot of things you can do with it. If you were going to give them advice as to how to best prepare themselves educationally or through seminars or different kinds of workshops or programs, what kinds of things should they be investing their time and interest in right now to give them a better chance of succeeding in the future?
1: Entrepreneurship, first of all. I think if you want to become an entrepreneur, you have to come to the consensus and understand that. You need to learn to fail. You need to accept failure. But when you fail, you need to fail forward and you need to fail fast. And what I mean by that is you inevitably go to fail. You will fall down and you will fail and you will think to yourself, must I give up or I want to give up? And I think what differentiates a good entrepreneur from a great entrepreneur is your ability to work through the hurdles, become resilient, be determined. And I think the only way you you can actually become more resilient and determined is by being incredibly passionate about what you're doing. And for me, the most important thing of being an entrepreneur is finding something that you really enjoy doing. And I think for me, yes, I've had different career backgrounds, and I think each one has added significant value to where I am today. And I've been involved in the property technology space, the out-of-home media space, the, the COVID testing space, and now the healthcare space. And I think the advice I would give to people wanting to become entrepreneurs is don't put entrepreneurship on a pedestal like you said. It's the sexy thing that everyone wants to become like. Social media has made it look like it's the most lavish life where you make millions of dollars. One in 10 startups fail, and I think a lot of people need to understand that. So your likelihood of becoming a successful entrepreneur or business owner is incredibly difficult. You're against the odds, and competition today is more so than ever you can start a business simply online without even meeting your team. So I think find what you're passionate about understand that this is a journey and the most important thing that I learned is enjoy the journey. Don't picture the end goal of becoming this multimillionaire or becoming this individual. Enjoy the journey, enjoy the lows, enjoy the highs and the biggest thing that I've learned is learn to ask. Ask people for help. A lot of people are willing to help but we often too scared to ask for help. So that's one of the biggest learnings that I've I've amassed after the last six years.
0: I've been yeah. To... And you know what? It's crazy because these are things we te- teach at LEAP. And, and I'll tell you something. Changing your perspective just a tiny bit on the whole failure thing is really critical to success. For instance, I never fail. Yeah. Ever. Why? Because if I do something and it doesn't come out the way I want it to, I don't look at that as failure. I look at that as practice. And then I'll do it again and again and again until I get it right. You don't fail until you quit. So every time you do something that doesn't come out exactly the way you want, stop thinking of that as failure and actually yeah. think of that as practice. And if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and you're not getting the right results, get a mentor, ask for help, learn, because continuing to do the same thing and expecting a different result doesn't make sense. Right. It's no. never going to get there. You know, we always say practice makes perfect. It's not true. Practice makes permanent. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And you know, I love your attitude. I love the lessons that you've learned, but what I really would like to hear from you is what could a student do to prepare themselves to be a good entrepreneur? What kind of classes should they take? Are there different workshops that they could go to? Are there summer camps? I mean, what are some things that they should really be looking into? Because you kind of took a roundabout approach. I mean, you basically went ahead, got four degrees. You went into different industries and you said, you know what? (laughs) This isn't for me. I want to do my own thing and be my own boss and do, you know, but what are things that you think would help these students prepare? I mean, obviously, getting an MBA from business school is a great thing. But what else?
1: I don't, I don't, I don't even think um, the academic thing is what I would focus on. I would focus on networking, going to events like Leap, going to startup run events that we host on a monthly basis, network with people, understand the startup game. The startup game is incredibly different to what people make it out to be. And the only way you learn it is to ingrain yourself in that. Go to events. Watch YouTube videos on people. The amount of content that is is out there today is ridiculous. You can learn a whole degree on YouTube. And I think to prepare yourself is to first set out a path of what you actually want to do. You need to actually plan ahead. And uh, often startups will just come out of the blue, which is fun. But another important thing is trying to become an entrepreneur one of the advice I would, be, I would give to people trying to start a, a tech company or any company, choose your team wisely. Be very mindful of the people you bring together in your team. One of the biggest mistakes that I had made in which someone, I wish someone had told me was I, I made a team of friends and it just so happens that our ambitions didn't align. When I wanted to work hard, they didn't want to work hard. And that's inevitably led to the failure of that company. And what I would have preferred is someone to tell me, start, start a, a company with people that you meet at these events, like-minded people, and people that you
0: trust. And, you know, one of the best words of wisdom I ever heard as a boss, hire, hire, hire slowly, fire quickly. Correct. Correct. You know, when, when, look, when people just aren't working out, you're not doing them a favor by keeping them Give them an opportunity to find something where they really are going to fit in.
1: Yeah. And I think on the topic of entrepreneurship, you inevitably have to form a team. You have to have people to work with. You can't do it on your own, which many people think they can. But you have to be very selective of the people that you bring in because, and also your strengths need to match each other's weaknesses and vice versa. And totally. That is why my
0: previous company, Park Up, was so successful. Right. Now I know you're really passionate about your newest endeavor, compound health. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So compound health actually came about from an experience in which I had personal experience where I was working way too hard and my work life balance was just not there. I was sleeping three, four hours a night. I was working, I was stressed. And what it inevitably led to was me going to hospital. And I had to realize that I needed a better work life balance. But during this whole process, of going to doctors, of of being stressed, of having lack of sleep. I wasn't going to the gym. I wasn't being healthy. I was ordering takeout food all the time just to make myself feel better. I was buying things online just to make yourself subsidize the feelings. And what I made actually realize is that the unhealthier I became, the more I was actually spending. And what I wanted to prove now with compound health is that there's a direct correlation between your mental and physical health and your financial spending behavior. And I think a lot of people are aware of that, but there's nothing that's showing you this direct correlation because if you can see this correlation of your health and your financial well-being, you can make adjustments and improve this. So what Compound Health is is set out to do is become an employee wellness platform where we introduce the company into organisations that have a few hundred thousand employees and they can utilise this. And how it works is they connect their order rings, their Apple Watches, their Apple Care Kits and by doing this, we can track their health habits as well as they can connect their bank accounts with, through Plaid. And how, what we do is we, we incentivize people to achieve weekly healthy goals. And what compound health does is we reward them financially for healthy habits with the eventual goal of allowing people to get better access to credit or a better home loan or uh, reduce premiums on their health insurance by, by being healthy. And the last thing I will say to this is that Why we believe this can happen is because financial institutions, health insurance providers, life insurance providers are looking at alternative sets of data to get a better risk assessment on an individual. And I think importantly for students that are leaving college or leaving university, they often start off on the back foot with student debt. So if we can start helping individuals and people, in kids in university to become healthier whilst giving them a better opportunity to be financially financially sturdy that's something that i really want to do that's
0: amazing michael thank you so much for your time for your wisdom for your passion i'm super excited to come as a speaker to startup grind and um, i hope that you and brandon will both be able to participate uh in leap this year as mentors he's the young man who's been to LEAP several times and introduced me to you. So Brandon, a special thank you to you as well. And uh, with that, please remember, sign up for LEAP. Uh, Go to www.leapfoundation.com or you can call our number at 877-855-5327. Dr. Bill, over and out. Thank you guys, appreciate it. To learn more about the Leap Foundation, go to leapfoundation.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash leapfoundation or on Instagram at leapfoundation. Listen to the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.